following podcast may contain a dash of popular profanities. So we're going to pick it a buck. We talk games, pick it a buck. I am your host, Frank Hemblin, on the internet telephone. William Bentley, the third. Sir. On the other internet telephone, Clint Cockberth. Hello. The only way to be born. Indeed. Now, when you're pregnant, the kids are in your balls. Horace Mangroves has a day off. Uh, uh, actually, William Bentley III and I were talking about having one squish nut, and it doesn't really matter because your sack still looks the same. You don't have single sack, even if you only have one squish ball. By the way, you won't get into the kingdom of uh, God if you have your nuts squashed. Today's episode of Pick It Up, you know what Pick It Up is? What you do is you get a job, number one. Then you have to get a second job. You work nights and sometimes do extracurricular activity with the boss behind the Woolworths. Now, you give your boss a hat, you see, and then you take a dollar bill. You write your name on it. And I just write it on a little margin on the side. Don't go crazy. You stick all those bucks in a hat. We pick it a buck. And then he picks it. And whosoever name is on that dollar, you get the kitty. So you're ready to go to your local used game delicatessen and pick out one of your games for the big mounts of loot they have. Speaking of loot, today's episode is brought by the ST688. ST688, the product is new generation of healthcare product developed in accordance with theory of traditional Chinese meridians and vessels, electrobiology, physics and modern microelectric technology, and in combination with Shundat clinical practice. The product is also a family and individual healthcare therapeutic device of the most advanced, the highest application rate, and the best effect on body reaction by combining seven therapies therapeutically methods, including slow stroke, united stroke, massage, sculpture, scraping, cupping, lowering blood pressure. Make sure to pick up your ST688 today. The reason I'm so sad, well, first of all, I didn't know what time it was because Stinky the Game Master put all my watches in the washing machine. (laughs) They were dirty! I know, but you don't. Fortunately, the clocks did all right, except that when he put it on tumble dry. I put it on delicate. All right. So I was well, a little late. I think he's a uh, bird method of clothes washing to get in the shower with his clothes on. <laughs> no, that's and mine. fall asleep. No, that's you, was it? Yeah, and I also eat in there. <laughs> I eat, <laughs> fall asleep, and wash my clothes while I take a shower. That, my friend, is efficiency. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Stinky just throws my clothes away. That's his idea of cleaning clothes. So I was watching uh, Jose and the Pussycats. Oh, wait, I'm being told it's... Josie and the Pussycats, because my buddy, my buddy, my buddy, my buddy, my buddy and me, twin sister, twin sister, twin sister and me, 
<laughs> my buddy and me can climb up a tree. My buddy and me is the best friend he could be. No, my buddy Brian Douglas. Evidently, the Gem in the Holograms movie came out, and he said it stunk. So he said Josie and the Pussycats was better. I never watched it because of Tara Reid, because I always thought Heather Graham would be a much better Valerie. But, uh, of course, Rachel Lay Cook is in it, and, uh, you know, she's all that, number one. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the thing about... (laughs) I got sad because... She plays Josie, of course, and and Josie gets this subliminal message in her mind, and she sort of distanced herself from Melody and Rosario Dawson. So that made me sad, because I had to leave off there. You know, will Josie realize that she's been hypnotized and get the band back together? Or is she going to take on a solo career? And Carson Daly's trying to kill Melody and, and, and Rosario Dawson. <laughs> Speaking of Daredevil, Rosario Dawson. And by the way, Josie and the Pussycats, shitty movie. Josie and the Pussycats, bras optional. <laughs> so there you go with that. Okay. So each month, T.T. Schmootkins, our robot sex pot, using her numerical peeny apparai, whatever the fuck it is, uh, machine that takes far too long to put two words together, picks the topic of our show. This is the only show when we talk games where we talk console gaming. We usually talk arcades on a weekly basis. And this console game theme for this month is called Rambode. Rambode. Everybody? Mm-hmm. Everybody picked the game Rambo, I'm assuming. Or that, yeah, on the master system. What's that? On the master system? Yes. Yes, yes. there you go. Or Rocky would have been acceptable on the master system as well. Now, what, <laughs> did, what did they call the master system in Ireland? They called it the master system. Oh, okay. It's only a change with the Mega Drive. And I guess because America is a Christian nation, one nation under God, you had to call it the Sega Genesis <laughs> right. to fit in with the Jesus. We used to have a thing about uh, the system that came after the Genesis, which was like the, the Sega Revelations or something. <laughs> I, I can't remember that joke. <laughs> the ad is there going, the Sega Genesis begast. It's new. <laughs> you know? Yes. The Sega Exodus. Yeah. The Sega Book of Job. There you go. Did I ever tell you about my buddy? He had every game console around that 16-bit era, the 8-bit, 16-bit. But you go over his house to play it, and all the systems were just uh, these circuit boards screwed in a two-by-fours. So what he would do is he would go to the EB, he'd buy a game system, he'd take it apart, put a block of wood in a console, and take it back and say he didn't want it. So... Oh, imagine the, imagine the surprise of the little kid on Christmas opening up his new Sega Genesis to find that he's actually got the Sega block of wood. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking mad. And he would do he would do it with the games too. That's what I was about to ask yeah. if he was taking apart Nintendo games and just taking yeah. the, and he put the a rock out. put a rock inside, you know? <laughs> Why well, put her foot in a rock inside? Of it. So it's the same weight. It was dead goldfish would go in there. <laughs> Right. He swapped them. He measured it out, really, you know, cupped the balls there and then switched and got out of the way to giant boulder. Man, that's truly a lost art. Can't even do that anymore. No. All this digital crap. Yeah. 
Mother, where's my physical copy? You, you know what you could do? You could digitally download it and then say you want your money back and send them Microsoft Paint. Yeah. Yeah, send them my old copy of a 3d movie maker instead yeah yeah my microsoft bob suite <laughs> that's even beyond me oh you don't remember the microsoft bob no this oh, was the dumbest thing ever imagine if you booted up your computer and you boot up this program called bob and it's like going into a house where all your programs are in a uh-huh. virtual house so okay. now you're taking an extra step <laughs> to get to your program as you walk in the front door oh, i need to go to this room because that's the room where ms paint is and i've got this little dog guiding me along the way oh. or maybe it's a kitty or some weird alien whatever yeah, you want right. it was pointless but it's it's a very interesting uh, piece of computer history from the now, 90s anyway let's get into ramboed i'll go first i usually don't do that When I first heard this, I immediately thought of the B2 Bomber because there's one game that I loved that I had from Japan for my PC Engine. Of course, PC Engine. And that was uh, 1989, 1990s Red Alert when they brought it to the United States. They had changed the name to Last Alert because, you know, you don't want to offend the Russians or the Chinese or any communist government in 1989 or 1990. That would have been considered communist propaganda back then. But it's it's just it's so stupid. You're a fucking spy. Who cares where these terrorists are from all over the world? They're not communists. Well, you know what? They kept the frickin Red Star even in one of the levels in the American version. And the American version is exactly the same in every aspect, except the voice acting will make you want to murder yourself (laughs) and maybe one or two other people before you go. Take them along with you. The American voice acting is so, so bad. I'm not kidding. The one hostage you're trying to rescue goes like this. Hey, can't you try to rescue me? I'm going to get rescued. Uh, the same person's doing well you can't get rescued because i'm going to kill you and then the protagonist says well that'll be the day when you kill me i mean it's worse than stinky it's it's horrible that first voice again is that there's a guy also say you put the lotion in the basket (laughs) that's exhausted like I mentioned, I love this. Number one, it starts out with the fantastic anime type of slightly animated cutscenes that the Turbo Graphics is so well known for, for on uh, the CDs and the CD2s and etc. The Sega came out with games on CD like Golden Axe, but the game itself absolutely was terrible. It was one player. Everything looked like poop, of course, because Sega... <laughs> was developing this for a system that really was contending with the Famicom in Japan and actually became much more popular than the Famicom for quite a while until the Super Nintendo came out. So when they developed it for that, they really didn't try to push the power of the system, but it had all these cutscenes and backstory with, you know, live voice actors and all this other great stuff. So you have that, you have... um, fantastic voice acting and this is how it ties into the Ramboed. first of all you start out and it's almost like do i have to go back to the hell again the lloyd government betrayed the protagonist's 
freedom fighters or army or whatever they are. They, they you learn it. I guess they're supposed to be CIA, but they don't look anything like CIA. They look like army. They're in its bush, and a giant helicopter comes up and just riddles the whole team full of bullets. And the protagonist, which is Guy Kazama, actually gets shot up, but I guess he's okay. So try to play Red Alert with uh, the Japanese version. The voice talent is much more compelling. It will be all in Japanese as Japanese dialogue like William Bentley III loves, but it's not a role-playing game, so who cares? Because there's a giant skeleton with a crown of thorns grasping the world. It doesn't matter what he says. The voice acting's great. His boss is like, hey, I zoom up. And in the American version, it's like, we got to get Guy Kazuma because he's the only one that can win. It's so horrible. And this is what I hated about the TurboGrafx games when they would bring them to America. It's almost like I wish they would have just kept the Japanese voices. It's sort of like early anime, too, when they started dubbing early anime. That lasted for almost 10, 15 years of, of terrible voice acting. I went through that when I got into uh, anime many years ago, Frank, and discovered that it was so much better in Japanese because they didn't care over here because they knew anyone would buy it. I honestly think it was just the fanboys that brought it over here that hired their sister or their girlfriend at the time. And why not try to match up the voice's tonality with the original? I don't know. <laughs> Last alert uh, boxed here is uh, a shining example of the Parasic 16 box art uh, <laughs> family. Yes. What was it with the fucking art in those games? Like, Legendary Axe... I don't think the person who designed that cover has ever seen an arm. <laughs> well, he's the same person that did Monster Lair. And if you look at it, even though Monster Lair is chibi character, he's got his arm in the same fucking position. It, I don't know what's happening. It doesn't have a shoulder. You know, it's like uh, just this propeller with one blade. You know what I mean? Crazy. Yeah. There seem to be a lot of bad decisions made. So many. And caving into what they thought was American values was so ridiculous because they don't realize what a niche market they could have had, which would have been so popular with the kids, you know, seeing guys fart and things like that. I think that would have sold so many systems and seeing Bonk prance around like a drag queen. I just think that would have really resonated with people, not as anything offensive, but as almost revolutionary for the American market. I'll say this, uh, for those of the listeners who haven't ever seen the cover of Monster Lair, I just looked it up here. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like, uh, I guess, Wonder Boy is the yeah, character. exactly. He is somehow trying to punch a princess who's standing behind him in the face. <laughs> no, they're trying to fight the snake. It's a two-player uh, shooter. <laughs> he, how can you fucking, like, that's in, oh my god, like. Oh. Like, this is outsider art is what it is. He looks like he's trying to punch her in the face and she's like backing up away from him, probably freaking out because he's got weird joints that he shouldn't have. He also did the art for Dungeon Explorer. So you can look at that if you dare. I can only imagine that he was using G.I. Joe's as his <laughs> models. <laughs> yeah. 
probably He-Man because yeah. you could only bend the arm back like that in He-Man. It didn't have a, a ball joint in there. Yeah. So it seems like everything in the Japanese version is better with Red oh. Alert, Last Alert. The Last Alert cover is terrible. It looks yeah. like some reject comic book character or something. Yeah. And then you look at the Red Alert cover and it's fucking badass. Dude yeah. looks like Rambo holding an M16. There's ships blowing up behind him. Yeah, yeah. There's only one cover, I think, in the entire library of games that was better in America than in, in Japan. And right now the name escapes me, but I did mention it at one time in our programs. I think it was Bust a Move with that baby blowing a fucking red bubble wearing yes. sunglasses. Oh, my God. You know, I had to print out my own cover for that just using, like, clip art from the Internet because I could not stand to look at that gross fucking baby. How do you how do you put a gross baby on the cover of a game that's got cute little dinosaurs in it? <laughs> how do you make that decision? You, you know, the little bubble bobble dinosaurs are cute, but we need a baby chewing gum. Uh, and it was such a crossover family hit. I don't know anybody that didn't like to play that game. The entire family did without it being, you know, marketed as a family game. But you see that baby on there and you're like... I don't want to play that. I don't even want to look at it. I don't yeah. even want to walk down the baby food aisle anymore. <laughs> I've got Boston to Move 3 DX here for the PlayStation. Yeah. Just rendered spheres, colored spheres, and Boston to Move 3 DX written <laughs> over it. Still better than that baby. <laughs> and I've seen it around. You know it's going to be a fun game, but I just don't want to buy it just because it looks fucking disgusting. Yeah, it is. It really is. You know, I want a poster of that. I really do. Okay. Uh, and a t-shirt. That would be great. And then I'll jump off the top of a very high building. Over five stories, definitely. and land on my head yet. Even though it might not be the worst box art, it's definitely the one I hate the most. All right, so here comes Guy Kazama. Uh, he's at the cemetery putting flowers in one of his dead troop peoples. He always thought they were all going to go to the same place together, you know, die together, live together, run together, etc. But he survived. The fellow with the mustache approaches him and tells him that he wants Guy to fight the Force Project. Force Project is a group of four factions, including uh, a mafioso, a terrorist organizations, one that's like a Fidel Castro, and one that's like a Chinese type of, uh, you know, bad guy. And in fact, in the English version, the same guy that does, oh, he does his, why you no handle? I'm a mama. And, uh, you know, I want to punch my CD in the face. Okay, so here's Guy Kazama. He's ready to Rambo up. He's on a KC 390 transport, and you see Guy from the back as he ties his red headband around his head and he tightens up the knot. Then you see the close up of the knife going in the sheath. Then it's the clip goes into the Colt 45, which surprised me that he had a Colt 45 instead of a Glock or Beretta or something like that. He's, he's carrying a Colt 45. Then it's a shot of Guy Kazama just standing there. He's all jacked up and fire shooting out of his steroids. And, uh, you know, he just looks awesome. And it, it holds on him. So that's the Rambo part. I mean, it, it's obviously he's Ramboed up. Maybe a little bit of commando happens in here as well. Except he's not carrying a log. Weird thing about it is the KC-390, which replaced the C-130 Hercules, is drawn with four turbofan engines instead of two. 
And I think either the person that drew the KC390 either thought it had four props like the C-130, except instead of props, it had jet engines, or he most likely mistook the refueling drogues as engines. That's my take on that. Now, you're a very small SNK-looking character. It's sort of like um, those games. What do you call it? With like Akari Warriors? Yeah, Akari Warriors. Shooter. Yeah, it's all done like the first Akari Warriors, not like Akari Warriors 2 or 3 or whatnot. You're small, except you have a bigger upper body, I think, but you're that type of more cartoony-looking character. Although, you know, you're so small, you don't even see your face. Of course, Guy Kazama is shirtless, and he's got an Uzi in his hand, although it's not supposed to be an Uzi. And I would say that the whole look of the game is like a very sharp-looking, more colorful NES title. As you go through the game and you kill more and more people, you collect these points and your class keeps going up. Like you start out as a ranger, you go to sharpshooter, corporal, then tank buster, and then you're metal soldier. I always thought that was interesting. Then you go to a general, and why a general would be all ramboed out, I have no idea. And then above general, of course, marshal. Marshal. <laughs> then you're full armor guy. Full armor guy. Now, I don't know if they mean guy Kazama or uh, just a guy. Then you're heavy warrior. You're mad thunder. I think there's a uh, lieutenant in there somewhere. I can't, I can't recall. Then your final command. And, of course, after final command... <laughs> Which is, of course, the final command, your one-man army. And then you finally max out after you hit over 50,000 points, although your points continue to accumulate your experience, I guess it's called. Your final rank is a somewhat disappointing superhero. Couldn't they have said super guy hero or pink arachnid person or like Captain America hunt or something of that nature? <laughs> Fist of the North Star guy. Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing it reminds you of. The art style is all in that last battle, Fist of the North Star. When we got it for Genesis, it was called Last Battle. Um, Big question, though. Do you do the high kicks and kick people into the sky in this game? That would be awesome. <laughs> What's interesting is there there is a level where it says that uh, I think Mr. Lee is going to be putting on a fight tournament, and he's brought in fighters from all over the world, these three top fighters. And Guy Kazuma is going to weasel his way into this fight tournament. Well, you get there, and all you're doing is the same old shit. You're shooting ping pong balls at enemies and you fight one of the three people on each level just shooting at them there's no fight contest i thought this is going to be cool you know i'm going to be doing captain kirk flips to the fighters i'm going to do haruken and all that other stuff but that doesn't none of that happens no action lines no nothing uh, a lot of uh, a time soldier actually in the way it looks uh, as far as top-down shooters go that's a fair comparison as well also um true lies the mega drive game right yeah Oh, totally. True Lies is a much, much better playing game. Uh, When I went through this, I noticed its downfalls right away. But I'll tell you what the good parts of it. Now, your gun shoots ping pong balls. You always have infinite gunshots. The enemies will spin around. 
They'll fall on their knees and they'll bleed out from a gaping womb and a wound and or their womb, I guess. Their gaping wounds. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go any further than that. Your gut explodes all over your chest and all down your knees and onto the ground. And every single enemy has the same death animation. Why they didn't change this when they brought this to America, I have no idea. You know, why didn't sweat come out of them? Like, <laughs> Even if you hit them with the flamethrower, their guts spill out. Yeah, they spin around, go on their knees, and are just uh, full of mess. When you get killed, when your life meter completely depletes, holy crap, you are just a lump of tomato soup laying there. And the game uses life blocks, and those life blocks uh, start to fill the entire screen the farther along you get. As I mentioned, you have unlimited ping pong balls in your SMG. You have louder red balls in your Uzi. And the sound and color identify the different guns. Every, Like I mentioned, every gun looks like you're just holding an Uzi. Only the shots indicate the differences in the gun. There's also an M16A, which is a spread shot. You have the M203 grenade launcher, which is just a spread shot with a missile in the middle. I mean a missile. Then you have the M60 machine gun, which is a four ping pong ball spread shot. I can't remember what the fuck the last one does. The special different B shots are the flamethrower, the double options. I call them options because that's what they were called in our type. They're the two little balls that float on your side. They can fire red ping pong balls and they can also block enemy shots and stuff like that. Then you have the double crawl frisbees. Yeah, well, Cyclops. Crawl is like amazing. That's like one it of is. my favorite movies. So you have two to it's four the of those. That's what it's called. The glaze. Yeah, it's it's just like that. They're boomerangish. They go out and then they come back, but he doesn't catch them. And all these animations of the different weapons just come out of guy's body. They, you know, there's no animation for of him throwing anything. It just comes out. He also fires missiles. Not a rocket launcher, but these actual giant homing missiles that would just appear out of his body. These four. I mean, they're like, they're bigger than he is. Well, he's a metal warrior. Maybe, you know, he's part cyborg and he's, you know, opening his chest and shooting the missiles out. But they come from the nth zone because they're larger than he is. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but uh, I I got a big kick out of those Kroll weapons because it's obvious that that's what they are. The element that sticks out the most to me, and as I mentioned, what brought me into this is the level where you're setting bombs in this giant stealth hangar. And that's what you're trying to get, this stealth plane. They don't say it's to be too bombs. But that's exactly what it is. And then after that, you're just trying to go and kill these uh, bosses, the four bosses of the Force Project. (laughs) The forced naming of the Force Project. And when you're going around trying to place these bombs, you see the B2. The rendering is what really hooked me into this game because it's tiny, simple graphics of the game, but... After seeing the rendering of the stealth bomber, for some reason, I was cool with the look of the entire game. How small my sprites were. You know, I I expect more from the Turbo Graphics, like Bloody Wolf style combatants and stuff like that. But I was completely okay with the small size of the characters and the faceless and everything else after I saw some of the renderings going on in this game. This game was uh, produced by Lasersoft or Telenet, if I didn't mention that. Do you know the guy you're talking about there? Uh, guy. Yes. He reminds me of someone who I researched after an episode of We Talk Games previously. Okay. And that would be Kane Roberts. 
the jacked up guitarist for Alice Cooper back in the eighties. So you did look him up. How the I hell did, did he reach his to strum his guitar? Well, if you go on Google Image him, you'll see he has these weird gun shaped guitars as well. Mm. So That's right. Uh, he was just, he was essentially real life version of a guy here, except <laughs> yes. he he slayed with, with guitar riffs rather yes. than ping pong balls. Definitely, I think he could dislocate his shoulders. I think that's how he was able to reach those high notes. And he's a pretty good guitarist too. He's not bad. Did I mention that the American voice acting sucks? Yes. Okay. Yes, you did. <laughs> There are a few good vibration moments in this game. After you set the bombs to blow up the B-2 hangar, as I mentioned, you have to run to get on board another B-2 that your friend is flying, evidently. Yeah, I guess he hot-wired it, and he's getting ready to take off. And this level is a force scroll to the right, like a running gun, but it's still that three-quarter view. You never change from that three-quarter view, and you also have the ability to roam up and down this disheveled street. As you're running through there, there's uh, guys on motorcycles with sidecars and jeeps uh, chasing after you, as well as a Luftwaffe-looking ground troop that it's trying to murder you. The guys on the motorcycle, there's just like U.S. Army men or maybe some of the guerrillas that the U.S. Uh, sold their munitions to and whatnot that later turned around to bite our ass. But the field part of this road section is actually where your friend is going to be taking off and you catch up to his B-2 jet. And you have to just go around the side, and then the B-2 speeds up and it takes off. Now, you only see the ass end of the jet, but you really get this feeling of running after the jet, sort of like a Commando, I guess. Did Commando run after the jet, or was he escaping from the landing gear? Yeah, he escaped the okay. plane. And he jumped off the fucking plane as it's taken off <laughs> and landed in a swamp. Yeah, I didn't set his watch. And he's like, I got... Eight hours until this plane lands, and eight hours in which to save my daughter, Jenny. Oh, my. And then he fights Freddie Mercury, which is just one of the greatest fights ever. Oh, it's amazing. Because uh, Bennett, Freddie, as you said, he gets electrocuted at one point, and it's super powers. <laughs> yeah. He just gets charged right. and becomes stronger. Yeah. That's where they got that movie Crank from, I think. And Crank 2. Crank 2 is the one where Chev Chelios gets all supercharged because he's got an electric heart. Right. And at the end of it, he, like, fucking grabs a hold of a transformer or pylon thing, and it sets him on fire. But he's, like, the strongest <laughs> man in the world. And he has to put one clamp on his nipple and the other on his tongue. Yeah. Uh, that's always nice. And so I, th- I really like that part about the jet taking off and, you know, you're leaving all these things behind. Even though it's just the ass end of the plane, I still think, oh, geez, I got to turn this shit off. They could have just said level complete. You know, you run off the screen or something. So I thought that was pretty neat. Did I mention that the American voice acting sucked? No. Okay. It sucks. It's nice to see that guy's actually wearing a jumpsuit, uh, even if it looks like uh, an Olivia John workout outfit on some levels instead of just always being his, you know, shirtless Rambo, like especially since he's climbing up a snow covered mountain and fighting, I don't know, Genghis Khan's men. I'm not sure. Uh, there's also snowmans that wear fezes, and then some of them wear turbans. And there's a part where you're waist deep in the river. There's a part with the thatched huts, and it even has chickens and what looks to me like a bear cow. 
Oh my God, the computer goes off, the television goes off, the iPad goes off, everything answers the telephone. Your hot dogs are done. And then chickens blow up when you shoot them, and most of them will drop items. There's a cave level where you're swarmed like in Gauntlet, and actually that entire stage is pretty uh, enemy heavy. Fight on a cruise ship while you're wearing a tuxedo, and one for Keith, not because it takes place in a sewer, which it does, but spray painted on one of the walls is Valis 2. (laughs) <laughs> which is another game by the same company. Uh, just a shitty voice acting. Like, I imported all the Valises, and the voice acting was fantastic. In the end of the first, I think in the end of Valis 2, the end of the first level, Godzilla's fighting in the background. It's just this uh, weird pulse of light, and he's, I think he's just standing still. But as you're fighting the boss of that stage, um, you see Godzilla way off in the background. I thought that was always clever. Is that a, a common thing, Frank, for Turbo Graphics games to, to advertise for other Turbo Graphics games? Evidently, because I don't remember Valve's two being spray painted on that sewer wall. But um, by the way, absolutely and completely. Out of place in this title is that sewer level because there's bats, monsters that come out of the water, nothing like anything else in a game. You couldn't have a game in the 80s if you didn't have a sewer level. It was, <laughs> it, it was a rule. Yeah. You had to have a sewer level and you had to have bats in your game. Right. You had to have them as enemies. It I was just, guess. It was like the comic book code, but it was the video game code of the 80s. And I mean, if you had a, a female character, she had to have a bow on her hair. <laughs> Otherwise, yep. how would you know? It's like you were saying about horses, movie, you know? If there be a woman on screen, you go, oh, wait a minute, is that another man? <laughs> oh, no, bone hair, definitely a girl. Otherwise, <laughs> I wouldn't have noticed, you know, her hips and stuff. <laughs> right, and her boobies. <laughs> the bosses in this game are typical military vehicles, and those giant fucking people. Why are your enemies in these shooter games, the soldiers are somehow giants? 15 feet tall. I guess it's something it uh, shares with Fist of the North Star, where, you know, Ken Shiro there punches his way through all the little troops guys, and then he always gets to the last dude, and he's, you know, big, fat, gigantic, two stories tall. Well, I guess, yeah. So I, I think guess it's, it's just, just kind of in that theme. style, I, right. I think, would explain why they're so big, and also because who wants to fight a tiny little boss man? <laughs> who want to fight a giant boss man? That's true. I mean, it, I get it. It's just that they never explain why certain people are giants. You know? Steroids. Steroids. <laughs> Bloody Wolf has the same thing. You know, the guy's twice twice your size. And and same with uh, fighting, punch and kick games. You get to the boss and he's 90 feet tall. 500 foot Jesus. <laughs> Most people find this game incredibly bland. And I would agree with that. Don't play this game, I think. <laughs> the music is a mixed bag. The enemies are almost all the same looking throughout the game. And as they should be when you're fighting armies, you know, they're all the grunts are going to look the same. They do change their their costumes to fit some of the levels, but they might as well not. Defeating the bosses yields no satisfying rewards. They just start to blow up and then it's a black screen that says, hey, you did it. But I like this game because it took the Akari Warriors and the Bloody Wolf formula and expanded on it in the level design. Whereas the directions that you can go in this game, there's vertical levels, there's horizontal levels, and there's the free roaming levels where you're either be placing bombs, rescuing hostages, or other types of find the kishki tasks. There are very few cute bits 
I like the space shuttle cutscene where you're <laughs> you're running out to these space shuttles. The enemy runs out first. Fortunately, there's two space shuttles, one for the enemy to escape and one for a guy to get on to go after him. And uh, they're they're outdoors. So your regular sized character indoors and you sort of can see them running outside this wall. And when they run outside this wall to, well, uh, actually the enemy's on this um, hover wheelchair. But when Guy Kazama runs out, he's just like this three color worm. That's, uh, I, I can't explain it. You have to see it. But uh, that, that's pretty cute. So play the game for the worms? Play the game for the worm. You only have to get to the very end to see this. <laughs> uh, you probably won't like it. And did I mention that the American voice acting sucks? Because it does. So that's my Ramboed. Once again, my like of this game and the reason I have to return to this game is only really to go the f- first few levels. And it's, it has nothing to do with nostalgia. I felt the same way about it the first time we played it as I do now, which was this game isn't very impressive, but I love the cutscenes. I love the character voices and really enjoy some of the renderings on some of the different vehicles and stuff like this. The first uh, level is kind of neat because the giant (laughs) soldier uh, has a hostage and you always think, I can't kill a hostage or else the game will be over. No. Just shoot fucking flames at the boss, the hostage, the little man hostage. The guy that goes, oh, don't hurt me. He can't be hurt at all. He's invulnerable. invulnerable. He's not vulnerable. He can't be hurt. He's invulnerable to your ping pong balls. (laughs) Ping pong balls, flamethrowers, anything you want to hit him with. Grenades. The bosses really aren't that challenging. They do shoot semi-bullet hell ping pong balls at you. Towards the end of the game, it, of course, gets cheap. But by then, your health meter is built up so far, it doesn't matter how many hits you take. There's some cheap parts also with the conveyor belt areas. and But for some reason, I like it. And if you do have a Turbo Graphics, I recommend getting the Red Alert uh, just to be part of your library. And it's probably not that expensive because of the fact that it's uh, very mediocre, very plain. That's my Ramboed. I think it looks pretty cool. I actually want to give that one a, a check out. It yeah, looks- you can play the CD-ROM games. There's the ROM images out there, so you can actually emulate this as well. Nice. Looks cool. Like I said, it reminds me of Time Soldiers, which was uh, one of my favorite games back in the day. So I like those top-down shooty games. They're fun. Yeah. The Wii came out with a few of the TurboGrafx CD games like Rondo of Blood, which, you know, is fantastic. Since that never had an American translation, all the acting in there is really dynamic. And it has a German in the beginning to, um, you know, set up the whole Dracula type of ritual thing. And uh, they also came out with Choanoki, which is one of my favorite shooters. But on a TurboGrafx, it's kind of not my favorite Choanoki. Super Big Brother is also what it's known by. I think the PlayStation just spoiled me. If you ever saw it, it's the giant muscle men with like holes in their heads. <laughs> no, I couldn't. I got to check that oh, out. Oh, yeah. yeah Super Big, Big Brother, Bro- isn't it? Yeah, Super Big Brother. Yeah, really good. Really good stuff. Anyway, the Wii is still, of course, your best place to get the emulation games i think especially for the turbo clint Uh, cockworth go yeah as uh, you said at the top obviously we all 
should have played Rambo for the Nintendo Entertainment System. NES Rambo. Yeah, NES Rambo uh, came out in 1988 in North America, 87 in Japan, developed by a company called Pac-In-Video who I don't remember at all until uh, doing my research on this game. Uh, the Rambo game was published by Acclaim, but I said, you know, no, I'm going to play something else instead. Oh! I'm play something uh, similar. I think it fits the theme quite well, and it is also developed by Pac-In Video, but it came out the year before, and we all know Pac-In Video is famous for Minesweeper on Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to talk about Predator. For the NES from 1987. You know, that's the cream of the crop for the NES. (laughs) Cream of the crop, Frank. Yes. This was a game I had on the Nintendo back in uh, probably 88, 89. Did you have Trojan? No, I didn't have Trojan, but I played that in the arcade a lot. That was one of my favorite arcade games. Trojan, Predator, and Rob the Robot. Top three. All time. Cream of the crop. But I decided to revisit this game, which, when you look it up, it's called Predator. But when you boot the game up, the title screen says, Schwarzenegger, Predator, soon the hunt will begin. Ah! Which I'm guessing is the full title of the game, actually, in Japan. And they didn't bother to change that on the American (laughs) screen. I have a feeling that they saw the movie poster and soon the hunt will begin was just the tagline. Sure, sure. So they were like, nah, throw it in there. Like, why the hell not? And I'm just going to get this out front. This game controls like poop. (laughs) It has some of the worst jumping controls ever in a game. Oh, man. You play as a major Dutch Schaefer. Does it have a second level? It does. I'm just not sure if it has a fourth level. (laughs) Okay. Because I can't get past the third level. Yeah. And it's a shame because you'd think they could make a game out of this story, but they skip some of the best parts because the intro of the game is like, oh, you know, yeah, they had to travel to this gorilla camp, him and his troops, destroy these guys. They do it. They shoot all the gorillas. And it's like, wait, why can't I play through the part where they get to shoot all the gorillas first? You know, build up... (laughs) to the Predator, but no, the game basically skips the part where they fight the gorillas and all his other troops dies, and the game starts with you alone fighting the Predator. And have some fun tonight. Have some fun tonight. Have some fun tonight. Gonna pick up machine guns and shoot scorpions, because that is exactly what happens. Now, don't you fight balls? There are these weird little rock creatures. I I never could decide what they were. Like as a child, they just (laughs) frightened me because they look like little rocks and their eyes blink back and forth and they just move at you (laughs) and push you off ledges. I don't think they can touch you and hurt you. I think they just push you. And I'm not sure what their purpose is at all. I remember jumping over rock balls. Yeah, you have to jump over rock balls. You have to jump on floating rocks. There's a lot of platforming, but like I said, the jumping is terrible. Uh, Steroid users are not known for their jumping. No, no. Schwarzenegger is, uh, or Dutch in this case, you didn't see him jumping around in that movie no. that much. He just did that sort of like jump from off screen, land in like a horse stance with the machine gun and just, you know, but yep. that's about all the jumping he would really do. And those were more like uh, little hops or whatever. Because they'd cramp up. The water would flow to their head. Yes. So, of course, being Dutch Schaefer, he is in his signature pink jumpsuit. (laughs) 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 And uh, he constantly, the sprite looks like he's carrying a gun. 
at all times, but no, you have to pick up a, a power-up for the gun, and then once again, the sprite does not change, but suddenly, instead of just punching, you'll shoot a machine gun or a laser. I think those are the only two guns besides grenades, but don't pick up the grenades. They're terrible. <laughs> Always stick with the guns. And Dutch can duck, you know, oh, unlike uh, Mega Man. Right. But you can't punch and duck. He can only be standing and punch. Once again, probably has to do with the water and the cramping of the muscles. <laughs> Ducking down and punching, probably not a thing he can do. But you can duck and shoot. You'll shoot scorpions, which I guess they just saw that one scene with uh, your man there. What's his name? On Bill Duke's back. Yeah, like I guess they were like, wait, well, there's that one scene with the scorpion. Let's throw in a shit ton of scorpions as enemies. <laughs> and you encounter scorpions and soldiers in the first two levels. This had to be a different game at one time. It had to be. I, I feel like it. this is, you know, something like Mario 2 or <laughs> what's that? Sunday Fun Day or something. Wasn't that? That was like a religious game that they changed from uh, Mighty Bomb Jack or something like that. I know there's yeah. a couple games like that. Or was it Daydream? No. I can't remember. Kid no, Cool or something like that. Sunday, Sunday Fun Day was like this weird skateboard and platformer where your girlfriend's clothes rot off. Yeah, yeah. Was, was it a Kid Cool? Is that what it's called? Oh, Kid Cool. Uh, it's called American uh. History X. They changed it to be a Christian game. Yeah, I love how that happened back in the day. You don't see that anymore where, you know, in development they just take a game and throw a movie title on it. Well, and I think oh, you do. Shadows... Shadows of Mortar, that was uh, supposed to be a Batman game, but then it's not fucking any Lord of the Rings game. Uh, really? What, were you supposed to be like medieval Batman? No, it was just supposed to be a Batman game, but they lost the license to have play through, so they just changed the look of it to be a Lord of the Rings game. Oh, man, can you imagine how good that Batman game would have been with a nemesis system where, you know, you just keep beating up the Riddler and he keeps coming back after you or something? That, that would have been fantastic. I got to play that one, but instead of playing that, I was playing Predator. Well, I just uh, looked it up. Predator, because of the scorpions in the desert and because of the rock people, this was actually a reskinned version of the Exodus game, and you're supposed to be Moses. Oh, right, with the laser gun. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's his snake staff, because when the people start getting bit by the venomous snakes, God, instead of making them not be poisoned, makes Moses a snake staff, and then he shoots laser beams out of it and cures the people of their snake bites. Oh, that makes sense. And then when you get to the third level, and there's suddenly uh, ghosts, uh, they look like boos, little pink boos with sharp teeth come flying at you to bite you. I mean, that makes sense, too. Holy ghost. That is the Holy Ghost. <laughs> totally Slimer. makes sense. And yeah, the third level is as far as I can get, where suddenly, you, like I said, there are munching ghosts and <laughs> mutated seahorses. Well, that, and, I remember that part in Predator. That scared me. Yeah, and the giant amoebas that were crawling on the mm. walls. I mean, whoo, who'd have thought Schwarzenegger would have, I mean, Dutch would have gotten out of that one. I hate the face huggers. Yeah, and uh, once again, Moses thing makes sense. The final boss, I, I had to look this up. It is a giant floating predator head. <laughs> Sorry, I just the words. Let my people get to the chopper. <laughs> That's it. That's what they did. Yeah, and, but that makes sense. Predator's head, kind of shaped like a pharaoh's head. I can yeah. see how they just altered the sprites a little bit, you yeah. know? Yeah. 
because uh, yeah, and yeah, you fight the giant predator head, you knock his mask off, his little fang probe things came out, you know, a lot like the pharaoh had, you know, makes sense. And the slaying well, of the firstborn, all that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Do you fight a lobster at any point in time during this? I, I maybe, no, like I said, no I can't. I can't get past level three, and there are also apparently levels where it's big mode, and you're just huge and jacked. You look more like a contra sprite, like oh. five times as large, and that's where you actually shoot at what looks like the actual predator. But I couldn't get to that level, wow. and there are no cheat codes you, uh, or game genie codes that could get me there. If you go into the history of Predator the movie, Jean Claude Van Damme was originally supposed to be the Predator. Oh, and what? He was, yeah. And he had a big red lobster suit that he was in. <laughs> well, there, there, of course, be the part where he have to uh, put his legs on two different branches and you know do a split <laughs> in the air because that's in every Jean Claude Van Damme movie. You know what it's, I uh, hated yeah. about the Predator movie when the bees flew out of that guy's mouth. What? <laughs> that's a throwback. You know, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, yeah, with Balky. Yeah, Balky was in that. Don't yes. be ridiculous. Really, the best part about this Predator game is uh, you can pause the game, hit B, and self-destruct. Yeah, when you what? die is the best part. Yeah, he explodes in four pieces. There's this cool <laughs> Tron noise, like... <laughs> he splits in pieces, and you can just do that repeatedly and just kill yourself if you want to, because that's more fun than trying to play this game. It, and it's really just the jumping. Like Otherwise, yeah. I feel like it could be a competent platformer. It could be pretty fun. If they just got the controls down better in it. It's kind of like a floaty Mario, control yourself in the air, but delayed. Like, he doesn't move Mm. right when you press the buttons, and it's so easy to just fall off ledges. Can you kill yourself because you can actually get stuck? That's what I'm guessing. Most games, when they would put in a self-destruct like that, it's because, you know, you could jump over here and get caught in the pixels or whatever. So that's what I imagine they put it in there for. Yeah, it's like the game testers. I keep getting stuck here. Uh, Well, instead of fixing that, I'll just make you be able to blow up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Works every time. Yes, sir. Well, so far we got two fairly shitty games. Yours sounded and looked a little bit better besides the uh, the shitty voice acting. This Predator game is just poop sandwich. I got to go back to it. It's, yeah, give it. I'd say go back. I just you're gonna find the jumping is the worst thing about it. Really, only, only because I know it was the top tier game. <laughs> oh, I hated it. Oh, I hated that game. Yeah, and, and Trojan and, you know, wasn't but, much better. I mean, Trojan looked okay for, you know, I mean, it's not going to look like the arcade, but I kept falling in those fucking manholes. That's the worst, yeah. And then there's the sewer <sighs> man down there who throws uh, shrukens at you. Oh. Over and over. oh, man, I should have picked Trojan. I love that game. <laughs> he's not very Rambo-y, though. No, no, he's more uh, Jason and the argonauts but future. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, your game had cool cutscenes. Mine has bad pixel renditions of Schwarzenegger and the Predator pointing at you when you get a game over. Just kind of like, ha-ha, you lost, which you will see a lot. There's a McFarland toy released of the NES Predator. What? Yeah, the, the blue kind of pixelated look Predator. McFarland decided to bring out a toy of that. Wow. Oh, that's like the one they did of Jason from uh, Friday the 13th. Okay. Which I was in a Toys R Us a while ago and saw they actually have the Jason's mask rendition from that game, like a full size bright blue glow in the dark hockey mask. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I got to go look for that Predator figure, man. William Bentley III, I hope that you did Dynamite Duke. What do you got? I did not. Oh, fuck. I did not. I, re- <sighs> I knew I should have done Dynamite Duke. 
I googled chest holes and I got <laughs> scarred for life. <laughs> the game I decided to talk about is from far in the future in comparison to both of your games. It's 2006's Urban Chaos Riot Response. And uh, oh, this that. game came out. <laughs> yeah. I have this have game, ever, actually. What? Wow. Okay. Yeah. For the PlayStation I'm, 2. Yeah. I'm fascinated. PlayStation 2 came out in 2006 from Rocksteady. Now, the thing about Rocksteady, they are fairly well known these days for making the Batman Arkham games, obviously. Yeah. I didn't know the name outside of those games, and I was in a uh, like a charity shop at Thrift Place here in town, and I saw this game. I saw the Rocksteady name, and I was like, geez, what is this? i got to check it out. Like, you know, I picked it up. It was pretty cheap, and it is the most brutal first-person shooter probably of its day. It's like a right-wing fantasy, and that's why I think it works oh. well in the Ramboed category. And I'll explain why. You're a one-man army, and I'm assuming this is what this was the category we were talking about here for Ramboed. Definitely, you got to be like a one-man army. Now they tried to pick a tough name for him, uh, for our character that we play <laughs> as in Urban Chaos, and. I'm sure if you weren't a fan of Pink Floyd, the name Nick Mason would be sound tough. But uh, as it is, it is more famously known as the name of the geography teacher and drummer of Pink Floyd. Uh, the name Nick Mason. Nick Mason is the guy you play as, and he is a member of the T Zero Squad. Oh, they're basically a zero tolerance death squad. Wow, Sid Barrett, I think, would have been a much more kick-ass name. Yeah, yeah. Our uh, theater guy. Nick Griffin. Uh, sorry, that's no, that's someone else altogether. Um, uh, I don't expect that. That makes sense to you. <laughs> no, I don't mean to bring up Nick Griffin. He's a far right extremist politician. Oh, the, the guy T Zero, Nick Mason. Right? There's a gang in an unnamed American city. Uh, don't worry about that. This gang called the Burners, and they're basically assholes. Like they're just burning up the town and attacking civilians and all this for no good reason and uh, you're sent in basically to murder every one of them in cold blood <laughs> it's a lot like Robocop in that a lot of the exposition is delivered to you by like news reports oh okay so there's like a woman and she'll be there going oh we're just getting information about something that's happening in town and you know, but the, there's a kind of a weird kind of conspiracy story going on in the background that isn't really that important once you get into the game, you have what kind of separates it is you have a riot shield that'll block a lot of shots. Mm -hmm. You can also beat people to death with it. <laughs> and uh, you got a riot shield, a ton of weapons, and you have a taser as well. And you can use a taser to make arrests like in NARC. Oh, okay. But you can also keep the taser on the guy until he burns to death <laughs> in front of you. I think there's about 10 or 12 levels to it. They're all fairly hectic. The weird thing about the gang is you don't hear their side of it and you just see them being dicks. So you don't feel bad about murdering them all. Yeah, yeah basically, if you're able to press forward and kill these dudes, that's the game. And that's what like, I think a Rambo game should be. Because Rambo, when we think back on Rambo, everyone just kind of seems to remember Rambo 2. Yeah, you know, where he's the one man army in the jungle taking people out, but like the original Rambo is a pretty tragic uh, movie. Oh yeah, about a guy who's come back from the Vietnam War and all of his friends are dead from fucking cancer they got from Agent Orange. Yeah, yeah, and then he's being bullied because he has hair like Ken Roberts. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's got a screw loose, definitely. That's why. Let's make it a children's cartoon. Yeah, and <laughs> the Oregon property. 
Yeah, and that's actually the the Rambo game. While it's just called Rambo uh, for the NES, it's actually based on Rambo: First Blood Part Two. That was a more triumphant movie where it's like, here's this one man army who's going to go back and rewin the Vietnam War. Yeah. Then, like the third film, I believe, is about Rambo um, helping the Taliban to defeat the Russians, and then the fourth one is about him uh, slurring through Myanmar. And uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone's voice acting in Rambo Four is amazing because he's just like he's like it's like he's on Fighting Street or something like you know yeah yeah but just like you all around the world. Yeah, exactly. And but I'd recommend uh, all the Rambo movies. I think they're great. This game, if you want that kind of like thrill a minute fucking action style of video game playing, this will give it to you. You're, you have a million and one weapons because you've got your own kind of police issue stuff, mm-hmm. which are like shotguns and sniper rifles and handguns and stuff like that. But then you can get like magnums and other weapons like that from the burners when you kill them. It's kind of a scenario level setup. Like, you'll go in and it's just a fucking war zone. There's like 10 dudes attacking you all at once and you're starting straight out and you just kind of have to figure out a way of clearing that room and then you go on to the next one. And It's kind of a high-octane thrill kind of thing, you know. And there's, As I said, there's, I believe there's a, a story of a conspiracy and in the final level you fight like the police chief who was uh, you know, it was the swerve and he yeah was the gang i was gonna ask and, uh, if there was a twist like that yeah there's like a building like a skyscraper that's still being built and you fight him the whole way up but much like the oh. end of seemingly every yakuza game where you fight a guy <laughs> right, at the right. top of a building that's still being built it's really brutal fun game the violence in it is crazy like it's one of those games that turns up the violence but knows what it's doing you don't get the feeling that it's reveling in it. It's just kind of it's having fun with it. Well, Nick Mason himself maintains the cold, hard glare. You know, it's like when you play Wolfenstein and stuff back in the day, and the character wouldn't really react to the ridiculousness around him. Like when you're fighting a giant doctor who's throwing big needles at you. Right. And because the character plays it for the truth, that's where like the funny stuff comes from. Gotcha. But uh, it plays really well. Is oh. like the control on it's great the game looks pretty good as well because i mean this is a late era playstation 2 game so Mm -hmm. it doesn't look as good as say like an xbox 360 game or whatever but it looks a lot better than cool borders 4 or whatever the first playstation 2 game was or fantavision or (laughs) fantavision looks great it's just a bunch of the bouncer the bouncer is a fantastic oh shut up early on in the playstation 2 (laughs) that was a launch game wasn't it no it wasn't but it was a highly anticipated first use of the dual thunder sticks or whatever the fuck it would oh my god what a letdown it's nothing but cut scenes and shit gameplay I loved it. I okay. had nothing else. I guess it, it was kind of like a predator, predator being the cream of the crop. Yeah. Now this game, when you say first person, do you see yourself at all or just see your hands? You just see your hands. Okay. Does uh, it make you motion the, sick? No, the okay. shield is awesome because the shield is all, like it's on to your left arm mm-hmm. and then your, your right arm will be your gun hand. So when 10 people start firing bullets at you, you just pull the shield up 
and you'll get knocked back a little bit, mm -hmm. but it's there, you know. And you can also, if you run out of ammo, which you may do at some points, you can just push forward with the shield, get up to someone, and then batter them to death with the shield. Gotcha. Pick up their gun and then go on fight. It's not an easy game as well, I'll say that. It's a difficult uh, game. Real mayhem to it. Like, I think games like uh, Bulletstorm and stuff will be fairly similar in tone. There's a thing about some first-person shooter games where it's it almost gets too easy and it feels like Mad Dog McCree. <laughs> you know, I, I remember playing Call of Duty, whatever, Modern War Crimes, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm running through this place and there's like another guy telling me to shoot people in front of me and I felt like I was on rails, like, uh -huh. you know. This game is like, no, 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 there's 50 dudes over there. You figure out who to kill them. Like, yeah, know? there's a, a great level I always remember where you have to go into a burning building and yeah. fight these guys while also rescuing people. You have to watch out for backdraft behind doors. If you open oh. the wrong door, you'll just get blasted, you know? It, it's, it's, so it's like, while you are a part of a riot squad, you're also a little bit of a, you know, an EMT guy. You're going in there to rescue people and get them out as well. The Rambo part of this is that you're a one-man army, or does he take his shirt off or wear a headband? Well, he might take his shirt off, but again, you can't see him. You only actually see him on the back of the box. Oh. There's a picture of this guy, and he looks like uh, Jim Caviezel, you know, the Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yuck. I don't like him. You know who was much better Jesus? The Green Goblin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. William Defoe is great in everything. <laughs> yeah. You want to know uh, something interesting about the development of Urban Chaos Riot? I do, I do. So check it out. It was first called Roll Call, a gritty first-person shooter set in a rundown city in the near future. Then the project became a game called Zero Tolerance, a yeah. gritty first-person shooter following a member of an elite anti-gang unit who must defend a city under siege. Wait, I remember that. Maybe that was name sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, I think that might have been a movie too, but I, or there might be another game now. Who knows? It might have been, and then yeah. and then it became Urban Chaos Riot Response, which I think the only reason it's called Urban Chaos Riot Response is there is a game called Urban Chaos yeah. for the PlayStation made by Idos or published by Idos, developed by Mucky Foot Productions. Oh yeah, Mucky Foot. <laughs> yeah, I don't who. <laughs> Apparently he, also made Urban Chaos 2 for PlayStation 2. Oh, no, wait, it was canceled. <laughs> and they were also supposed to make Bulletproof Monk and The Punisher for PlayStation 2, Xbox and Windows, and those were all also canceled. Yeah, Bulletproof Monk just was a flop. I, I, I expected so much out of that. Hey, the trailers made it look cool, and then I saw the reviews and said, I'll skip it. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched it. Is that what the, the American Pie guy with the hot mom? I remember the... the Tagline was it like a monk, a punk, and a really hot woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Wait, I may have watched that one. Is that the one where he works at a movie theater and learns kung fu uh, just I, from watching kung fu movies? The tagline and went. I hate this movie. <laughs> like, it just. All I remember he, is chewing a fat and that annoying kid from American Pie and her in a helicopter. That's all I remember. I don't remember I, any uh, bulletproofness. They should just make a beautiful Joe film if they're going to make some of this and one learning company. Well, we do have Max Payne to fall back on. Great movie, oh, yeah. Max Payne. Bullet time in there. Yeah, they or, forgot uh, about what, it. What was, what's, what's the other one with chewing the fat? Uh, hard boiled, uh, the killer, a uh, killer, the, the, the game that it's like the it's stranglehold. The, yeah, stranglehold. Oh, yes, great yes. game. Yeah, and you know Eric Alex talked about he's the one that got me into that. I really liked that game as well. I thought it was fine. Nah. In fact, I actually have two uh, copies of it by mistake. 
What, which one might say also fit the Ramboed theme of a one-man army, just shooting dudes in the face? No. I think I'm going to give all these games a try. John sounds the best, um, and I already got my fill of Guy Kazama for now. And every now and then I go back to it. And like I said, just the first few levels, I love the opening scene. I don't know why I love Cino's B2 so much. It just, I don't know. I mean, I could look at a picture of B2. I could watch refueling going on on a B2 on YouTube or something. I For some reason, it's just very attractive to me. And uh, placing the bombs around there, you have to find the glowing X's in order to do that. All right, guys. Well, now's the time that we pick it a buck. Uh, everyone sent in their dollar. Uh, John feeling. Monopoly money. Put it in the hat. Shuffle up. the. These dollars sound very large today. And let's see here. Open the envelope. I don't know why the dollars are in envelopes today. And the winner is Wiggly. Wiggly wins. He's not even part of this show. Where that? The yeah, hell? Funny. He was a cast member. Well, I did play Wiggly Time Traveler in the movie Wiggly Time Traveler. He's not here. You accept it on his behalf? No. It gets uh, put in a trust fund. If Wiggly gets enough money, maybe someday he'll have enough money to make another Oprah podcast, and that'll make me happy. Uh, Oprah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get a letter in. I got that's based around getting in letters of task Oprah, and that's the only reason those happen. Actually, you have the Golden Compass game. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. I've actually got the Golden Compass book here. Now, see, that game came out, but Bulletproof Monk did not come out, and both of them did the same at the box office. I think. Yeah. I actually picked up the book because, like, I was in a charity shop, probably the same one I bought, um, Urban Chaos, and were, like I was buying books. I remember I got this great like uh, coffee table book full of about Hammer Horror movies and stuff. Oh, neat! And the, the woman behind the counter was there going, "Oh yeah, they're they're, they're two for a euro." And I was like, "I just want this one." They're like, "Yeah, but they're two for a euro. Go get another book." <laughs> and I lit, first book I saw was the, the Golden Compass. I went, "This will I take this off your hands?" Yeah. Said, yep. And uh, then she judged me because there was a lot of boobs on the cover of the hammer. <laughs> was Barbara Steele on the hammer one? Uh, she, may have yeah. been, she may have been. There's a lot of lot of uh, profiles in there. Sure, sure. Mm. You know why uh, Bulletproof Monk and Golden Compass both did terrible at the box office, right? Because they sucked. Because <laughs> they're godless. Oh, that's yeah. right. Well, I heard that the Golden Compass should be a good read. I've heard that. Yeah, I, I heard as well. I'll, I'll, I'll read it someday. You know. <laughs> yeah, it was either getting the Golden Compass or Madden 96, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we picked the buck. Now it's time for TT to tell us the theme of the next episode using her peeny, Akari, Rob, whatever the fuck it is. Blapperast. Yeah, the Blapperast. Oh, yeah, Blapperast 2000. Hit it. My name is Titish Kmukins, setting the premise of next month's We Talk Games, Video Power Magazine, Pick a Debug, program, using my Pennsylvanian Electronic Numerical Integrator Computerized RISC-I triple 48 Gigaflops Blast Processor Emulator and an Adjective, Subject Service Generator, also known as, the Rosenstein's Information Technology and Enriched Elbow Macaroni, We Talk Games. Committee for Podcast Conformity and Listener Integration, P. Me. 
Akarai, Rob, 48, Blaparas, G2000. Next month's premise will be. This is getting old. I can only see it getting older. Poo poo platter. Poo poo what? Oh. I, I already got my game for poo poo platter. Is it the poo poo trash one? <laughs> I Why should have saved Predator be? for this one because there's a bird that poops on you uh, while you're fighting the giant Predator head. <laughs> we did what we said we were going to do. We picked the, the buck. So get ready next month for Poo Poo Platter. Pick it a buck. Make sure you get some Poo Poo Platter so you can play along. For William Bentley III, Clint Cockberth, and Horace Mangrove, who has the night off, I'm Frank Hamblin. Don't pick your bucks.